0: This episode of The Ketchup is brought to you by Dean's Dairy Dip, the number one French onion dip in America, and the classic, cool, and creamy sponsor of Food Beast Kitchen League's, Dean's Dip Off. We're pitting innovative chefs against Dean's Real Dippers in head-to-head recipe battles where the Dean's Dip Off lets you join the live audience in trying to sabotage the competition. Yep, you can sabotage our contestants live, and no matter what, Dean's deliciousness stays intact. Check out the Food Beast Twitch page for the live streams, recaps, and Dean's Dip recipe videos. And look for Dean's Dip in your supermarket dairy case, because Dean's is real dip for real dippers.
1: Listen. I think if you really are serious about Mescal and Oaxacan food and culture, you're gonna have to go to Oaxaca to actually taste what things are supposed to taste like. Mm. I truly, truly believe that. I think so many people who are really into wine take the time to travel to learn about wine. So many people who are really into certain cultures, they, they don't question going to Paris, they don't question going to Italy, they don't question, but th- they do question going to a place like Oaxaca because it just it's not this, it's, it's not this, you know, European sort of dream that you're told since you grew up, you know? So I, I always tell people, go to Oaxaca, visit, and understand what things taste like.
2: Welcome to The catch-up. <laughs> Introducing your hosts... Eli Aruth. Editor-in-chief.
0: And... Jeffrey Kutnick, CEO, and apparently the only guy who takes this podcast seriously...
1: Of the craziest, most bestest news-breaking food porn peddling viral website on the dot coms. Food Beast.
0: It's crazy when your future is decided by an algorithm. Dude, this pizza is fucking crazy. There's not one person in this entire world that believes you. All
2: right, and welcome to the catch-up. <laughs>
0: Eli, I know the intro is usually your thing, but I also know your throat's a bit sore, so I'm going to take this one off your hands. Our guest today has a few nicknames. She was (laughs) called the Oaxacan princess by the late Jonathan Gold. Mm. The New Yorker called her the Mezcal Queen of Los Angeles, and LA Mayor Eric Garcetti called her the official Mezcalera of the city. Our guest today is Bricia Lopez, one of the family owners of of the famed Guelaguetza restaurant.
1: Guelaguetza.
0: Guelaguetza restaurant. A simple Google search or simply walking through their front entrance will show you dozens of culinary accolades has been an L.A. staple of mole, mezcal, and Oaxacan cuisine since 1994. Mm -hmm. And recently she consulted on the country's largest collection of mezcal and tequila, the Mama Rabbit Bar inside Park MGM in Las Vegas. Later this month, she'll be unveiling her new book, oaxaca home cooking from the heart of mexico bricio welcome to the ketchup
1: damn can i get an air horn or something <laughs> <laughs>
0: post-production <laughs> <laughs> insert <laughs> 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 here
1: come on thank you yeah you're like my hype man i want to bring you around everywhere i go hey so what's your name hold on one second <laughs> press, press play this is me hi can thanks you, for having me guys of
0: course can you start by telling us uh just about oaxaca in general for our audience who just knows knows nothing about the region the culture the food
1: yeah so first of all oaxaca is spelled o-a-x-a-c-a mm. did not, not start with a w uh oaxaca is a state one of the 32 states in the country of mexico we are way down south one state away from central america we are in a coastline and the city itself is inland in the valley of oaxaca which is where i'm from It is comprised of 570 municipalities. The closest state is, I think, about 150. So that just tells you how complex the state is. 570 municipalities means 570 mayors. So it's a state that is very close to its indigenous roots, to its languages, to preservation of indigenous languages, to indigenous way of making textiles, Uh, to music, to art, and of course food is the center of it all. I grew up there and I moved to Los Angeles when I was 10 years old. I encourage, you know, my passion in life is to make sure that every single person in the world visits Oaxaca once in their life and understands the beauty of what culture can do in anyone's life, you know, the preservation of culture more than anything.
0: How much do you remember from kind of being there until you were 10?
1: A lot! Oh my gosh, I was in my last grade of school was fourth grade. Okay. So you you all remember? F- I remember yeah, fourth, fourth, fourth grade, yeah. third grade, second grade. I lived in a small com. I lived in a small, sort of this cul de sac. Una cerrada. I don't even know what that's called in English. Like a lane with a cul de sac at the end, and there were ten kids around my age. Plus four years, and we're around the same age. We all hung out outside. We played every single day. I walked to and from school every day. I would get home. My mom would have a home cooked meal for me every day. Mm. We. I'd Play every weekend. I'd go visit my grandma. We would leave Saturday, come back on Sunday. My grandma would kill a chicken every weekend for us so and sad. make barbacoa, caldo de pollo, or mole. It was awesome. My dad was a mezcal maker. He would uh, he would have a mezcal store in another town. That's where I got my first job when I was five years old.
2: Damn, you your was slang? first job was slinging mezcal <laughs> for sure. Rob. Yo, okay. Trash, hashtag truth story. <clears throat> what 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 is mezcal?
1: Mescal is a destil- distillate from the maguey plant. It can, it is made in. It can be legally made with the name mescal from seven states in Mexico. I would say eighty-five to ninety percent of it comes from Oaxaca. Wow! Okay. And it, the way it is made is you get this beautiful maguey, a varietal. that can be. You know, dozens and dozens of our, okay, not just one. And you cut the leaves off, you shave it down, you then get the heart of it, which is in Spanish called the piña. You roast it underground. You pull it out. That takes about seven, eight days. You pull it out. You mash it up. Mm-hmm. It can be mashed in many different ways. Then you ferment it. That's sort of where you get that pulque-ish, tepache-ish, no pulga, sorry, the flavor. After it is fermented for anywhere from 3 to 12 days, depending on the area, depending on the elevation, depending on whether you're using chemicals or you're not, you then take all that mash and you distill it. It can be distilled in copper or clay. And then you get this beautiful liquid that's called mezcal.
0: Is maguey the same as agave, or is that are it's different? the same thing? Okay,
1: it's the same plant. I like to call it maguey. I used to be able to call it agave. I go back and forth on what to call it. To be honest with you, but maguey agave, same thing. Can
0: so, you, can you explain, like, because I'm assuming a, a big portion of our audience understands some association with agave and tequila. Yeah. Can you can you break down like the differences sure. in between mezcal and tequila?
1: Sure. So just the way I just mentioned that mezcal can be made, made, it gets made in seven states uh, of Mexico, primarily Oaxaca. Tequila, by denomination of origin, same thing, can only be made in certain states as well, primarily from Jalisco, primarily from a town called Tequila Jalisco. Same thing as you champagne, burgundy, Mm -hmm. same, same idea. Also, by law, tequila can only be made out of one maguey plant and that is a tequilana weber blue agave maguey you can only make tequila from that one plant nothing else mm. in oaxaca you can make mezcal of, out of a variety of wild magueys that are now cultivated and some grown wildly in the hills of oaxaca
2: so is that why is so tequila is a type of mezcal
1: yes would, would so all correct? yes all tequila is mezcal but not all mezcal is tequila
2: got you is that why like the few times that i've had mezcal that i've really enjoyed it it felt like it almost varied more in flavor 100 then tequila generally there's you know, reposado you know different age but generally it still kind of had the same makeup is mm-hmm. that is that is that correct am i going down the right path
1: yes I mean, a lot of people will probably say that, you know, all tequila is mm-hmm. going to taste different. Of course, there's just so many brands now, right? Mm-hmm. That sometimes, unless you are a hardcore tequila connoisseur, it's like water.
3: Mm. Yeah, <laughs> They all taste different. Let's <laughs> go
1: back to where it started, water. Uh, they all taste different, but I think at some point, and a lot of people just can taste water, won't understand the differences, but there are a lot of differences in water. Mm. So in tequila... Tequila, when it gets cooked, it gets steamed, Mm. and then it gets distilled. Then you have a blanco, a reposado, añejo, extrañejo, and there's so many other Not so many, but a few others. Primarily, the blanco just doesn't never touch any sort of barrels. Now one does, but the blanco gets put into a bottle, and then you have the most... The closest taste to a that you will have from a tequila will come from a blanco. Mm. Then it gets uh, aged in barrels, and then you get the reposado, and then if it gets aged longer, then you have an añejo, right? And that's when you get different notes in your taste buds, whether you use, depending on the wood that you're using to age it. In mezcal, There are a few brands that do that, Reposado and Añejos. Primarily, right now, though, the majority of brands are not really focused on aging any mezcal because of the time spent and the growing and farming process. So a lot of people will, well, a lot of people, farmers really are the ones who make mezcal and the ones that have so much respect for the plant because they've seen it grow. There are some magueys that take over. 18 some up to 25 years to mature oh, wow. So then if you were really then sacrificing this plant to then distill it and drink it, a lot of farmers find it disrespectful to then age it because it doesn't oh, need wow. any it doesn't need any extra flavoring it has so much flavor already oh, it, has, that's
0: tw- it has 20 years of growing flavor right
1: mm-hmm. so then there really is and what happens with tequila now is that now they're making so much tequila with plants that are two to three years old and they're using machinery to extract the flavors of the agave. And when I see it, I always, it freaks me out because I feel that they're killing children. It's weird, it's weird. I have this weird thing, I cannot see it happening. It's weird for me. So
2: you see the plants, you actually look, they look like little kids to you.
1: Well, the the plant is a female form. It has children, it reproduces itself. It is very intelligent, I mean, you know, when you look at the ecosystem and the plant world and the way they actually are survivors and the way they have populated in this earth, you start to think that they really are these living, breathing, literally breathing organisms that help us help us humans breathe, breathe. So yeah, I, I do think that they're very much living this, you know, I really do believe in this energy and the female energy that this plant carries within itself so when i'm looking at videos of these plants being killed at two three years old and then put into this machine and it getting their flavor extracted it really it does hit it does make me feel wheezy inside
0: you we were talking to a mezcalero at a, at mama rabbit and yeah he was he specifically talked about to him mezcal was <clears throat> there was a bit more of a craft of a process Mm -hmm. to put it together i don't know i've never been on a i don't know if farms exist and i don't know if it's well he described it as maybe at least in the origins as um a mountainous agave that Mm -hmm. they would kind of search for search for plants and then they would you know take those plants and use it for you know a smaller a batch essentially Mm -hmm. um in 2019 especially with where I think mezcal and popularity is growing. What's kind of like the state of production of of maguey and agave for mezcal? Is it, is it a combination of people still kind of searching for the maguey and the agave? Is it kind of getting to a point where there has to be farming because of the demand on the spirit? Like, where is both, it now? Both,
1: both. There are still a lot of people that go out and look for wild, my gaze but there are so many people now that are doing are going above and beyond to preserve seeds to preserve um, areas where they're really they're not reproducing just to maintain these plants and to maintain the ecosystem and to make sure they don't go extinct because that was starting to be a huge, huge problem. But there are so many people, and there's so many people in Oaxaca that just love their land so much that would never allow this to happen. There, I know. I mean, of course, there are a lot of sustainability issues that go with mezcal, for example, burning on the wood of the wood that you need in order to smoke the plant. But that is one I always say that it really is a consumer's job to. To pay f- to pay <laughs> for 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 the end result, right? It really is up to us who drink it that we cannot complain that mezcal is too expensive. And when you see a mezcal that isn't expensive, you should question hmm. the way it's made. And maybe they're not using wood because they they just they just can't they don't want to take on that extra spends. But then it's not done the traditional way, which is fine. But the people that are doing it the traditional way, the way that it's been over generations and generations, that you are going to have to pay a premium for that because there's so much labor and so many and so much more that goes into it.
2: So Mescal generally right now is more expensive than a tequila? 100%,
1: yes. Mm. Yeah. As it should be. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: You In the beginning of the pod, you kind of talked about um, living in Oaxaca and um, just it sounded like a very picturesque place, right? Oh, it's uh, beautiful. And, with your grandfather, like killing a chicken and for the week, grandma, grandma, sorry. Um, I'm I'm sure I'm gonna get corrected 40 more times this pod. Um, But why did, so why did your your family decide to leave and what brought you to the US?
1: Oh, the same reason why everyone decides to leave and migrate because you don't have money to eat (laughs) or Mm -hmm. you don't have money to sustain a future for your children. So in the from the mid 90s to the early 2000s there was a lot of migration from Oaxaca to the US. During that time in Mexico was a time of desperation from the country. The new president had just taken it, taken over, the president before him had just really run the country down to nothing. They had taken three zeros away from the peso. so one day you had a thousand pesos, and the next day you had one. Oh, wow. It was the country, they had just, This time, they had in 1994 they killed this presidential candidate Colosio that was gonna that was really going to be the hope for the country that everybody was really, right, you know, just really hopeful for, and then they killed him, the guy who was gonna make the change, and it just destroyed the essence and hope for a lot of for for the country. It was I remember that time, and the people that were most affected were the farmers because. If they were already if they were already barely meeting, you know, making ends meet, they were destroyed. Most of the farmers live in Oaxaca. Most of the people who migrated from small towns were from Oaxaca. Because it just there was no jobs. There was no way of sustaining. And yeah, they were eating amazingly. They were eating organic corn and chickens, but where there's that's that sounds beautiful and it was, but then how are you gonna provide for your children. Build a family. Yeah, how, 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 is your, how are you going to survive? So that is why there was a huge migration from a, a lot of small communities in Oaxaca to the US, primarily farmer workers. Uh, or actually, it just it wasn't just them, it was a lot of people. My dad was an Escal maker. Back then, Escal the wasn't cool, mm-hmm. and nobody was buying it. Uh, everybody was, you know, the tequila, that's when tequila Weird. was really yeah the wave was happening a lot of tequileros would go to oaxaca and buy agave for nothing from the farmers taking it to tequila and making tequila which destroyed a lot of the agave mm-hmm. in in oaxaca and slowed down the mezcal process so a lot of things were happening during this time my dad moved to the us uh and tried to f- just to figure out what he was going to do for his family and he started selling oaxacan products door to door to a lot of people that were from Oaxaca who were uh, living in in L.A. and here too in Santa Ana. And after being here for five months, he started selling food on the street, started being a food vendor and then saw a little place that was for lease. He had saved money, opened a little restaurant and four months later moved us, supposedly for a year. But everybody comes for a year. Every immigrant that comes to America has a plan to come for a year or two max mm-hmm. but then you get caught up in yeah. this hamster wheel of working 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 and you have to provide for your four children might have four children living in los angeles going to school buying things buying food reinvesting in his reinvesting in his business and just that dream of going back to Mexico just kept getting farther and farther and farther away. And that's what happens to a lot of people. But a lot of people do come and see America as just a, way, a place where they can save and then go back. But a lot of people go back without a plan, so they have to come back again and then they get caught up again.
2: So you were, was that fourth grade when your dad came over?
1: Uh, Yeah, I was in fourth grade. Through my fourth grade in school, my dad wasn't living with us. He was living in LA and I was living at home with my uncle and my mom.
2: Where do you think your dad is like doing? Like, is that something, I know fourth grade, we're cognizant, we understand what's going on in Mm -hmm. our fourth grade, but when your dad just leaves, you know, you know now it was for a better thing, but like what's going on in your head as a fourth grader?
1: Well, uh, we all knew that my dad was gonna move to America, but this is also a time where what you're f- being fed in the media is all America. So I was watching a lot of Saved by the Bell, right? Okay. Full House, and I'm thinking, oh my god, my dad's gonna meet Zach Morris, and then he's gonna introduce me, and then I'm gonna marry him, <laughs> right? And then Full House, Uncle Jesse, yeah. And I and then I had an uncle, and I was like, oh, it's like living with Uncle Jesse. So again, in my mind it was just it was just this way of. Maybe one day I'll live in America and my sister and I would play pretend we were sisters. It was weird. And we'd speak English and we lived in LA. That was our make believe playing time that we had. And we just really you were fed this idea that that's where you go. And since early age I've I've always wanted to live in America, but that's because of what was fed to me in media. Yeah. You know?
0: How did, how did Los Angeles and the U.S. live up to those expectations when you when I'd you never met
1: Zach Morris. <laughs> <laughs> Not but yet. But the opening of Mama Rabbit, Mario Lopez was there, so I fulfilled my
2: childhood fantasy. <laughs> Full circle. yo, low-key, that's better, though. <laughs> Mario Lopez doing way more to Zach Full Morris.
1: circle, AC Slater and I took a picture together, and my dream was complete. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it was, it was different. I mean, it, it was just so different. And, again, I told you the way I grew up in Oaxaca. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, but in LA, I could not play outside. I could not. I, we were stuck in the room. We lived in a one bedroom and a spare bedroom on my aunt's two bedroom apartment, the six of us. Wow. We could not do anything but go to the restaurant and come back. We couldn't even walk down the street because there were cholos and my dad's biggest fear that we were gonna become cholas. That was my dad's biggest fear for everything. And we weren't allowed to look at anybody that didn't look like us because they could hit us and kill us. Like it, it was just stilled fear. But that's a, ve- that's a very Mexican way of parenting. It's just instilling fear into you so where you don't wanna do anything, you know? <laughs> so we were just, go to school go to the restaurant come back school restaurant come back and that was just my life and work Uh, that was just the way then after fifth grade that's until until now (laughs) work um but yeah that it was very 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 different
0: when you started working at the restaurant what was what was the menu like then
1: (laughs) the same as today same same same.
0: Because the menu is expansive.
1: It's expensive. B- yes. I mean, we probably added a few more. But, uh, I actually have a copy of the original menu. It was in Josh Kuhn, who is a professor, wrote a book uh, called To Live and Dine in L.A. And he comprised a lot of old menus from restaurants in Los Angeles. And we have a copy of our original menu in that book and but it was still pretty pretty expensive oaxacan food is expansive I, I just wrote this book it has 120 recipes i believe i think it got cut down to 110 but i could write five more of those books and still not be done with oaxacan cuisine
2: can we talk about how to spot oaxacan cuisine because
1: oh there's well, so many great one, regions yes, in but mexico
2: but how do you is that a fair question like as i'm walking around as just a dude who generally loves mexican food but i mm-hmm. want to understand what oaxacan food is i've never been to oaxaca i know i can spot a cheese but like what what's like some some elements of oaxacan food that you're like ah i'm in the right place this is what they have
1: here listen I think if you really are serious about Mescal and Oaxacan food and culture, you're going to have to go to Oaxaca to actually taste what things are supposed to taste like. Mm. I truly, truly believe that. I think so many people who are really into wine take the time to travel to learn about wine. So many people who are really into certain cultures, they, they don't question going to Paris, they don't question going to Italy, they don't question, but they do question going to a place like Oaxaca because it just it's not this... It's it's not this, you know, European sort of dream that you're told since you grew up, you know? So I, I always tell people, go to Oaxaca, visit, and understand what things taste like. Obviously, you know, that's way to the right. But if you're here in LA, you can't travel. How to spot a Oaxacan restaurant? You know, right now, I feel that the word Oaxaca is just being thrown up left and right. Oh, really? Like, I have gone to... Menus and it says, Oaxacan something," and I just read this. I just read this. And I'm like, I don't understand what's Oaxacan about this. It's just because you are using one Chile, you're calling it Oaxacan I'm so confused right now. Um, but I think number one, you know, walk in and see who's eating there. See who's in the kitchen. See who, uh, who, who's running the place. Um, ask questions. You know, number one, if ask if their clayudas and the tortillas actually come from Oaxaca, the clayudas are a great way of understanding. Clayudas are these tortillas that are made in Oaxaca and then are shipped here. A lot of restaurants do the same thing. Um, the mole, you know, how is it prepared? What kind of spices go in there? Are the spices being brought from Oaxaca? You mm. know, it, it's not just you can't buy things locally. You have to bring those things from there because that's where the flavor lies.
2: So from the ingredients being from Oaxaca is, mm-hmm. is one of the base elements of like trying to spot a good Oaxacan.
1: One hundred percent. yes. Okay.
0: Yeah, because I feel like we should go through some of maybe the the core yeah, you, menu items that that you would recommend someone who hasn't been to your restaurant oh, try yeah, for sure. Um, but maybe before we go to that, I mean, so Eli, I ate at the restaurant last night. dude. Um, oh, that's
1: right, you went there last night. And
0: so there's- What time
1: did you go, I was there.
0: Um, I was there from like 7.45 to like 9.30. Oh, you went late. Yeah, I went late. Um, So here, a here, good time? here are the things that I
1: ordered. Wait, did you have a good time?
0: I had a great time. Did you um, dance? I didn't dance, but I ate for two and a half hours, so I feel pretty good about that. People
2: dance at the spot? Yeah, there was
0: live music at the spot. We were we were in the room like past the bar, so we were like kind of in the like dining room, not next to a lot of live music. But the live music was jumping too. Uh, So we ordered uh, the quesillo fundido, the solid, uh, which was amazing. Which is melted Oaxacan cheese, chorizo, mushroom, and it's like the it's kind of like the starter of dreams because it comes out, it's shareable, it's melty, it's hot, it's it's great. we did the uh, we did the half portion of the botana, guacenia. Oh,
1: you what you did it? Yeah,
0: I mean, uh, food beast hashtag. Let's, let's do it. Go. Wow,
1: and I'm
2: sitting in bed crying, Dude, so sniffling, I, and you there was eating a, this? there was a
0: number of things that I had never never had before. So I'm I I've never had a memela, um, mm-hmm. which what is that? Correct me whenever I'm wrong. Go for it. But go like, for it toasted masa cake kind of topped with various things we had the chorizo which it looked it looked different because it's like a like almost like hand-rolled sausage that it is like you you can see like the different i don't know how to describe it it's like but it looks like a rope with knots in it, oh bro! Like so, instead of like one long sausage, it's like these like bite-sized, like packs full of flavor. I've never had tasajo before, um, which is a d- dried beef, but not d- doesn't go it's jerky like- level because it's still flavorful and and mo- moist, but it's still super thin. Super thin, Car- uh, and carnitas. All this comes out on this sizzling like hot plate cast iron that like the the uh, our server had like we had to move stuff we had to like square our (laughs) shoulders a different way just so we could like put this thing down on the table oh yeah so did you try
1: the chile relleno that was in there
0: yeah everything everything that was in there i my fork was all over that um and so that was something that i actually uh, thought we should shoot because i think it would yeah. do really well and that was a
2: half portion
0: so that was a half portion and so i went with i went with five other people because uh, oh, our that's our perfect ma- yeah our, man- our managing editor reach had never been i brought izzy uh on the pod and some friends in la and we just like let's try to order as much as we can we did the festival uh Moles. Moles, and can you, can you describe the moles that come out? Because they're they're so different and distinct, and I'm I'm going to do a crappy job you at should describing do it. No. them. No, no, can you but do it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and slow. This is my favorite part of the podcast where we actually talk about food. <laughs> yeah, what is the Festival of Moles?
1: Well, there's... Well, you can your order. I want to see, and then we can go back.
0: Yeah, uh, so fest, uh, Festival de Moles. Um, you said this already, but rem- remind me of... Uh, the Layudas. Layudas. La Ah, La oh, frick, I can't... It's, it's that, fine. That's hard, but... One day. It seems like it's like the complete origin of, for the American palate, what you think of like a Mexican pizza, but different. So, fried corn tortilla... It's not fried. Or not fried, is it... How is it prepared? Because it's crispy. It, it's it's, it's crispy. so crispy. So, it's
1: made in Oaxaca, and it's made in a specific way where, by the time you get it here, it's a crispy tostada. It's not... It's not baked because it's not it doesn't get inside any sort of
0: vessel, vessel. Like
1: oven. it just gets cooked on top of a comal but the way the the technique they put these sort of clamps on top of it so it doesn't get fully cooked on the comal but semi so it gets toasted there's toasted. The, it's just toasted basically oh. yeah but it's not fried it's
0: it, corn and it's corn and it's corn but oh. it has oaxacan cheese beans and then you can you can get different ones so you can cho- kind of choose different like meats or vegetarian toppings on it. Bruh. And it was big enough to where you could kind of cut it up yeah. and share. So everything we did was like shareable. We got the we got the uh barbacoa al roja which was mm. like which was a, a broth or sauce combination of oh, it seemed like both where you could just dip everything mm-hmm. into it. So we had we oh, had extra my. tortillas, we had we had bread we every like that sauce was gone to the point where as we're leaving i like tip the bowl up and just make sure all of that is gone there we go. um and the and the goat in itself was just i, I could t- i mean izzy had it he's smiling back
2: there he's like, like yeah. yo izzy how was this guy you had the mic going <laughs> How was this? this? Is like Jeff's talking? Should he be talking slower? I <laughs> think he's talking way too fast.
0: There's just so, there's so, there's so much. I'm so excited. And then uh, we also got uh, the empanada, which mm. was like a, a very different vessel of an empanada that I had ever experienced because I'm, I think of empanada as a South American empanada. Mm-hmm. Argentinian Like empanada. an Argentinian. But this is, it's larger. It's
1: like a giant quesadilla. Yeah.
0: It's like a giant quesadilla. But yeah. it's
1: made with fresh corn, not with a tortilla
0: okay uh, can you well, yeah how <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how? a good question <laughs> no seriously
1: keep going keep going
0: <laughs> that's, uh, so that's, i'm loving all of this <laughs> so, that's just like
1: music to my ears what else do yeah, you mean? so
0: those are i think that's the majority of every oh and we got for drinks we yeah, we try? had um we ordered uh, i ha- have it on my phone which mezcal because i'm gonna forget and then also the agua frescoes that were amazing yeah I didn't have a uh. I didn't have a michelada, but that sounds like something. Once you say it, now I have to go back and and go try everything. Yeah. But what so?
1: We have how did I how
0: did I do? We order-wise? have bottomless
1: micheladas every Saturday, so you should definitely yeah. do that. Come after. Oh, Saturday.
0: we had chapulinas too. Oh,
1: right. What is that? Which was
0: tight. So I've had. Um, well, we've had together. We've had various like insects at different types oh, of yeah. restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and are they? grasshoppers mm-hmm. so if you weren't looking at them if you're at a movie and they, you just had a bag full of Japolinas, the way they season and spice them right so there's this feels like heavy citrus there's like there's a there's a spice note that's like addicting so if like it was it's like crispy crickets
2: and it's very crispy are they fried or toasted how they how toasted. Got, toasted okay and
0: it's crispy to the
1: Sautéed, point. sauteed i guess so yeah
0: yeah it's crispy to the point though where you can just pop them in like and Dang. keep going and yeah. they're and they're super addictive and so most of the people at the table had never had anything like that mm-hmm. um and you know, there's somewhat of an intimidation factor if you're not use, if you're just not used to it. Mm-hmm. But from the flavor perspective, is like super. Like I compared it to pop, like popcorn. When you put hot sauce in popcorn, you might squeeze some lime on it, and you're just like rolling through that. It's a very Again, not the same, but it was like a similar feeling where I could just roll. Like, if were it, you
2: popping them like popcorn, or were you lathering it like on a tortilla? With well, some we were in a group. Se- we stuff. were in a group
0: it's setting, so it's not like I was like grabbing stuff with my hands. But never I stopped you before. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's true. But like you know, I was I was putting it on our plate and eating it with a fork, and so that was slowing down my process. But when I was you were like,
1: eating chihuahuas with a fork, I would have loved to see that. Yeah, definitely, I definitely, so I definitely was. So what's the move? Like, what's what the what move? should I like, yeah, just what's be the eating with hands? Well, number one, when. I, number one you did amazing so yes let's do a clap <laughs> i don't know where you did your research but you ordered great okay great i uh, i think i would have probably skipped them panada okay. and probably gone with some like a cactus salad just because you were doing so much corn and so much yeah meat yeah mm. but other than that i mean it's awesome and my server should have told you that so i'm gonna get his name and
3: then <laughs> talk to him about that later
1: <laughs> but uh i think it was great um when you come to my restaurant, I always tell people the best way to experience my restaurant is with a group of people. We, It's very easy for us to sit at a table of 10, 15. It's incredible how many tables and parties of 13, 15, 18 people just walk in. No reservation, and that's always been since I remember. And when I would work there as a young girl, that was just a normal thing hi we're here we're be 25 of us and we just have to figure it out <laughs> now today today me when i my family comes from mexico my parents come from mexico my sister my brother and his wife my sister and her boyfriend me and my son and my husband my sister her husband and her three kids go you know we're that table yeah it's so hard for us to go eat somewhere it's so hard it's very hard no one takes a reservation and if they do they gave me this whole list of things and it's not a place where you go with children and if not they don't take a reservation you have to wait I mean it's really it's difficult yeah. Yeah. being a big family in LA wanting to eat somewhere so we just make it a point to if you have a if you have a table party of 20 our reservation we will figure it out for you you might have to wait a little bit but if you don't have a reservation you definitely will get seated um
0: there were 40 people in like their kind of waiting area when when we came in like we were a group of 6 there was another group of 10 plus there was another group of like 10 to 15 all just and we all got seated within ten or fifteen minutes. Also, because they have like Yelp waitlist, which is amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, so you just guys just do, like, take, do you take reservations.
1: Yes. Yeah, we do take reservations. We okay. st- we didn't. We stopped taking reservations for a little bit, and then we got really bad backlash. Now we're taking <laughs> reservations again. Uh, we take reservations again, and uh, but we also take walk-ins all the time. So. And number two is i f- i wish we just stop serving i wish i could just not give people forks and knives and wow. spoons of course because you need to like the broth yeah but i wish we would just get rid of that that's probably never gonna happen but when my family and i sit down and eat there aren't any there's definitely spoons if we want to spoon out beans or something but our vessel is a tortilla so yeah we will get the tortilla, we rip it, and that's the way we graph things. Very an in Indian way, um, like Indian food? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same sort of style. You would just grab your hands with your hand, obviously you wash your hands before you start. Sure. You sit down, right? But obviously. everything, and everything, you grab the tortilla with your hand, you grab everything, you put it in a tortilla, <sighs> you grab it. Or if you don't want to touch it with your fingers, you actually get a tortilla as a second hand, like a glove. Yeah. And that's the way <laughs> that's you grab, and that's the way you grab things. and what's so beautiful about oaxacan cuisine and when you go eat at my restaurant is that there's no rules you can put everything over anything like what you did with the broth i love that you did that that's a very oaxacan way of eating it's very it's everything is intuitive (laughs) (laughs) everything is so everything is intuitive even mescal making everything i just went to oaxaca with a few chef friends and they were just so blown away at, the, at how intuitive people are in Oaxaca and how much flavor it's in something as simple as a memela, but it's not simple at all. It's simple because the way you see it and in, in, in sort of in, in the atmosphere, you know, you place it and you, and you look at it and you're like, oh, it's so simple and it's made in the middle of nowhere. So simple. But if you really think about it, a memela consists of three to four layers it starts with the with the masa cake of sorts very thin but the process of making that from scratch is very laborious and you have to we make our own masa every single day so you have to next neximalize the corn and you have to grind it you have to make the masa right what was the word you used for the
0: corn oh yeah what is that
1: so neximalization is the process of when you cook the corn with a little bit of uh, lime Um, gal, lime, lime, like the powder and not like lime juice
0: oh gotcha gotcha uh
1: lime lime is cal 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 yeah Spanish. l-y-m-e right yeah l-i-m-e and then you cook it in a very slow process and then that then gets ground up and that's when you become that's when it becomes masa but nixtamalization process you can do with we do with calabaza as well Next nixtamalization
2: yo that's how you lose a spelling bee, dog <laughs> 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 that's how you lose that word comes up. <laughs> can you use it in a sense
1: i, I nixtamalize my core <laughs> Born last night so that's in the sentence so then so that that's a very laborious. that takes you know that it's a half a day process then what goes on top of it is, is this paste called asiento asiento is mm-hmm. not lard everyone thinks is lard it's not lard it's almost it's almost like a pork rind paste, which is sort of that fatty mm-hmm. um, flavor that you get from the memelas. But to make a siento, there's a guy who is in front of this big pot, almost like making carnitas, and he's just steering it for five hours straight. And then it has to sit. Shut up. No. Wow. And then it has to sit and it ha- this is playing you know above minimum wage you guys <laughs> uh, this is a very great working conditions with a break in between with a 10 minute break in between so uh, then it has to sit for some time and then and then you make asiento. okay so that's another what eight hours of work yeah. we're in los angeles let's remind everybody what wages are here and then on top of that the third layer is a bean paste that we make also from scratch we use a a very peculiar herb it's called avocado leaf herb that we actually import from Oaxaca that gets taken all the way from Oaxaca gets dried and then it gets to LA by plane through customs in a very legal way also expensive but worth it so then we grind that up we make a, a, a bean paste you put it on top so that's layer number three and then you put cheese Right? And that cheese we get locally. So that's a mamela. But when you see it, and when you see it in context in Oaxaca and the fields, you you just think to yourself, that's so simple and it's so good. And in my mind, I'm thinking, it's just nothing simple <laughs> 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 There is zero simplicity. I'd like to see you try to do a from scratch by yourself and let's like, see when you're done.
2: Did you always care this much about food? Like when you were growing up and you were working in the restaurant, like was it a chore to you? At what point is it no longer a chore and are you like in tune with yo this is some real stuff we're, we're doing some cool things here yeah
1: so when you grow up in oaxaca you just take everything for granted it just makes sense you're just sure. you're living in it you know mm-hmm. you are just every single day like i tell you my my mom you know we, you eat memelitas on the street you, you know but when you're in oaxaca you can get masa from somewhere you can get the best asiento from someone else it's just it's community driven right So you just grew up in it, and I grew up um, in the late '80s, early '90s. This is a time where, you know, indigenous women were not gracing the cover of Vogue magazine. I'll tell you that much, right? Mm -hmm. The only representation I saw of myself on screen was she was made, and she had long braids and spoke with a weird accent Mm -hmm. on purpose, Uh, and it, it, and you're definitely told that's not great food. The best food is Italian food. The best food Mm is uh, even there was this Place called el che in oaxaca this restaurant that still exists that i think they do argentinian argentinian food and that's so, okay
2: because that's, that's more european than it is
1: well argentinians are not really latinos right they say <laughs> that they're are european that's what i've i've met yeah, some yeah, right you. some say they are some say they aren't so uh so that that you know they're kind of like fed that no you shouldn't be eating this you should be eating this and that's not good food this is good food so you grow up with this idea then you move then i moved to la my dad opens a restaurant and I started seeing how people were loving our food and I started tasting other food, which was also different because Mm. for us, beautiful as Oaxaca is and how amazing the food is, there's zero diversity. Like, I'm not gonna tell you to go to Oaxaca and go eat Chinese food, dude. Like, (laughs) you're not gonna find great Thai food. You're not gonna find great Greek food. You're not gonna find the best pizza in the world there. So I started tasting other foods and I started just just understanding other people's culture as well. I started Korean culture. I, I think there's so many similarities in Korean culture than Mexican culture. Mm. And started tasting Korean food and just, it just became, I just became a little bit more aware of the world yeah. and understanding how much my food had had just as, has had just as great, Taste as any other food that it was worth that much that it really had that word, that it could live in the same stage that it could have the same appreciation for.
2: Was it inevitable that you would end up in food, or were you like, I want to be a doctor, or I want to be? Well, I never a wanted actress. to be.
1: I never wanted to be a doctor. I think growing up in LA, everyone always wants to be an actress at some point. Uh, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, of course, I definitely have a headshot somewhere. Uh, <laughs> but I, I. I will say that when I was growing up in the restaurant as a high schooler, I vowed that I would never work at the restaurant. Mm. But this is because I feel like the restaurant robbed me of my childhood, sure. you know, and that was always my my thing with my dad. It's just like I never got to to, to enjoy my childhood. I, I mean, to this day, I, I, I can ride a bike, but I wouldn't be able to go around the block in a bike. Does that make sense?
2: Well, you can't stay on that long
1: <laughs> well you know i was too busy trying to survive then yeah. learn how to ride a bike you know mm-hmm. my parents were just like you can't we can't put you in class i didn't i learned how to swim in oaxaca thank god we went to swimming class but other than that i mean zero athletic capability in this body <laughs> but i can probably bust 10 plates in, my in each hand <laughs> without a problem. So I, it, it was just all work, work, work. So during that time, because every single weekend, we would go to the restaurant, I couldn't even get sick. If I got sick, my dad would be like, you're just lazy, get up, let's go to the restaurant, and then you'll feel better. So I'm just like there in the restaurant, just like shaking, like taking people's names uh, and the wait list, <laughs> and, and that's the way I grew up. So I really hated the restaurant. So I think that's when I said no, but I think, as I got older, I started coming to myself. You know, as women, I think every woman, no matter the color, no matter the race, you go through an area where you don't hate your, you don't like the way you look in the mirror. It's just, it's just women. That's why we're so crazy. Um, but then, once you come into yourself, once you come into your, you know, once you start reading a lot of Tony Robbins and listening to Oprah,
3: God,
1: you know, and start and start and start looking at Motivation Mondays every Monday, <laughs> you know, you start to really understand what is your purpose and what is your life and where am I going to be and what what is the legacy for my family? What what am I doing in this world? And, you know, and I think it's really when that when I really came to that time when I realized, okay, cool, you know, born again, Christian, the whole thing. I, then I just sort of be, then I just thought, okay, this is, this is, this is my call. And this is my life. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. I am supposed to be here.
0: Did you ever have any separation? Like was there a period of time where you put the restaurant at arm's length or has the restaurant just been an active part of your life since you were 10 years old no
1: never never my my older sister she she fled she went to mexico (laughs) and she lived there for three four years she did her college there my brother also fled he went up north i'd never left i was always next to my parents i was always with my dad always with my mom i always worked at the restaurant other things that i wanted to do i wanted to be a newscaster Mm. i don't know why I, I always wanted to be in radio, and now I have my podcast, so hey. I, hey. I'm, still doing, I'm still living my dream. Uh, I What else did I want to do? I want to be a teacher, but I think that's just because I like to tell people what to do, so I, I'm still <laughs> doing that.
2: What's your podcast about?
1: Just don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, so then I, so then I, I think I just like to do that. So, and I'm still doing it. Like I'm still yeah. teaching people. I do talks all the time. I'm so, so I think I just, I found my my love for what I love. I found a way to do all those things that I feel I'm great at within the restaurant. I mean, we we not only have the restaurant, we have other businesses out of that. You know, we run four businesses at a time. So and then I just I love being busy. I, lo- I love talking to people and I am doing what I love to do, but somehow, food and family and culture are at the center of it all.
2: What are those? Yeah. What are those other businesses? Uh, and when did they come about? What was your hand in them? So, out I of the know. restaurant, yeah.
1: yeah. So, out of the restaurant, uh, we have uh, a company called I Love Micheladas. Okay. I love and we bottle and sell retail and uh, e-commerce our michelada mix. Nice. Uh, that you can just pour uh, three ounces into a beer and you have your the best michelada you'll ever have. So that's a business of its own. That one's spearheaded by my brother, but I'm very much involved. Then is Supermamas. Supermamas is a podcast made for women, uh, by women for women. And uh, that's where uh, my, mom, my mom, my sister and I talk about just our mom stories or women's stories we have a lot of great friends that come through the podcast and we have interviews about just life and inspirational inspirational mondays <laughs> and, and how to become and how to become better version of ourselves every single day and then we have and then you know we have um, the restaurant mm. and now i am partnering with park mgm to create mom rabbit how
0: did the well I, don't, I we definitely want to get into the park and mgm the stuff and the book
1: and then what else do I do Jen? Can you remind me I'm blanking out here
0: but before before we go into those I feel things, like I do more things Can you do a lot of things can we talk about the your role within evangelizing Mezcal and because it's it's now a thing right um, in the way that like Breaking Bad celebrities are putting their mm. faces on a Mezcal brand specifically mm-hmm. and so but where, where was it 10 years ago? Where was it 15 years ago? And kind of, we've read certain things about like your role within Los Angeles in in, in spreading the the great word about Mezcal. Mm-hmm. But can you talk to me about before Mezcal was cool and, and how, was it served in the restaurant and, you know, what made you passionate about it to, to yeah, what made you passionate about it?
1: Well, like I mentioned, Mescal's always been part of, of my DNA. My grandpa made mezcal, my dad made mezcal. My first job was at a mezcal store that my dad had. Uh, my dad's had a brand of mezcal in Oaxaca. So it's always been part of our life. We've served at the restaurant since day one, illegally in the beginning. Obviously, now that we, after we had our second restaurant, um, we had a liquor license so we could sell it. Mm we carried every mezcal available in 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 the u.s back then back then there were only two to three brands that were doing mezcal when uh, back then back in the early 2000s okay yeah two and, to three
0: brands of mm-hmm. yeah, that's available it. in the u.s and that's
1: it that that was pretty wow. much it and you know we carry them and then in my early 20s i started traveling to i could travel back to oaxaca i couldn't go a, when i was in my teens because I was undocumented, so I really couldn't travel. So at the moment I could travel, I went to Oaxaca, and I just started understanding what was happening in Oaxaca with mezcal and how it was changing in Oaxaca. And I went to this festival, and they, they invited me to a to a to a, a comida. It's called in Oaxaca, where is this? I guess massive dinner party, uh, and they had f- twenty. Mm, mezcal makers and when i say mezcal makers i mean farmers who make mezcal because a lot of people forget that it is a farmer who makes mezcal it isn't a guy in a suit Uh, and they they were there and they were explaining what we were drinking as if they were explaining as if as if a sommelier was there explaining what you were having if you were having a wine tasting and my mind just was blown and i just had this come to jesus moment where i thought oh my god this is the future of spirits in america everyone is going to freaking love this when they discover this it's going to blow up oh my god but i never thought i never thought oh my god i'm gonna have a brand i'm gonna up in a business i'm gonna make a mess i never thought that because i thought i it's not my job to get into the mezcal business it's my job to open the mezcal world for business so people like this guy that guy that guy that guy that guy can make money it's not about me it's about them so i came back to la and i told my dad oh my god this shit's about to blow up like everyone's gonna go into this. Like, it's gonna get crazy, I can see it. My dad was like, no, you're crazy, I've been down this road, you're, you're crazy. Whatever, I, I didn't listen to him. <laughs> and we, I talked to my brother, then we opened a little area in the, in the restaurant. It was like a little mezcal bar. I got in contact with as many people as I could. I got to, um, See brands come up from nothing. We started putting their brands in the restaurant, and I started talking about my skull to every single person I knew. I would get my skull shipped to LA and I would puddle it myself and I would send it as presents to people and just say you have to learn about mezcal. I would write little notes to people and say um you know I just want you to try this it's from Oaxaca. If you ever get it a, a, a wait mean, if you ever get a chance to you know buy mezcal do it. So I just started talking wow, that's about my mezcal. Real. That's like yeah. real
2: culture. Like that wasn't your brand of mezcal. No, no, it no. was just Yo, you should just I love try this, this try this. No yeah. one's had this before yeah. here. And try a lot this. of
1: bartenders were just I was introducing Mescal to a lot of bartenders and they they were just loving it the thing is when you are a true bartender like a real person who loves to create cocktails you're gonna love my scalp because it is so complex and because it's such a challenge it's it's fun it's it's a new ingredient it's a it's a brand new taste that you've never had before Mm. so it becomes fun for you to create a cocktail and blow people's minds you know you if you create a great mezcal cocktail. It's going to it's going to be very hard for people to go back to a regular cocktail after that. Right. So it's so it became really fun for people to play with it and then out of that a lot of brands started growing and you know and then everybody would always ask me, "Oh my gosh, is this the mezcal boom like 5 8 years ago? Is it is this it's peak?" And I always said it's not going to be it's never it's never going to reach a peak number one because even look at tequila today. Everyone thought a new brand cannot come in. It's so saturated. And look what happened to Casamigos. You know, mm. like it's just there isn't there isn't ever going to be a peak. It's like saying, is there ever going to be a peak in hip hop? Like it's that's not. It's just never. It's just going to grow. It's just it's a culture. It's, it's gonna not going to grow and evolve. Yeah. It's yeah. it's not it's not a peak. It's not a trend. It's a culture. People have. People have a hard time understanding the difference between a trend and a, and a cultural, mm. and, and actually something that brings so much history behind it, you know?
2: So we went to Mama Rabbit in Park MGM in Las Vegas. Oh wait, hold joking. on, let me
1: go back to my story because this is deep. Okay. So people were always asking me, when is it gonna peak? Yeah. And then I said, it's, never, it's not gonna be a peak, but I will tell you that the tipping point will be when it reaches Vegas. When it comes to Vegas, <sighs> That's when it's gonna tip. It's not gonna pe- peak, but it'll it'll move a scale and people go crazy, and then it then it'll just blow up. And and I always say it was when Vegas started saying, "Oh, bottle service, mezcal bottle service." That's when it really when it's in a rap song. It was, you know, it is starting it's starting to be in. It. You know, Childish Gambino had this um, lyric in his song that says, "I got the plug in Oaxaca." You know, when people start saying those mm-hmm. things, when it becomes a cultural thing, that's when it starts and and then i got a call from vegas and i was like yo i i would love to be part of this because i've always talked about it and if i can be involved it will be done the right way as opposed to just being done and me seeing it done the wrong way
2: yeah because mama rabbit is tight we went there uh as far as i know the only mezcal bar on the strip like Totally dedicated to mezcal. Looks gorgeous. One, I love the Park MGM because that just I it's love like the Park it's MGM. the coolest spot on the ship right now. One hundred percent. One
1: hundred percent.
2: For a foodie, for anyone just of culture, you have mm-hmm. you guys are right next to like best friend from Roy Choi, which is like Italy. Italy, like the bar. The bar scene the alone. Oh yeah, the other the bar, bar scene cool. alone inside the Park MGM. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, juniper. crazy juniper. Yeah, it's crazy. So it's fly, but how? So talk to me, do you get an email from yeah, them, you a text? A, what's, a who? A do you know email. anybody? Nope, cold email. So what does that email look like?
1: Hi, <laughs> um, you know, my name is so-and-so. I'm working for so-and-so for a secret project in Vegas. If you're down to talk about it, it's involved Miscal and Tequila. Let me know, I'll send you an NDNA. Hit me up. Damn. And I read it. You gotta understand, I get so many emails from people that say, Hi, I'm Let's
0: let's build. Let's build. No, no, no. <laughs> no
1: motivation I, I wish, <laughs> Monday. I wish it's more like hey, I love to pick your brain about my skull because I'm starting a brand. Like, I don't know, like Google. Where do I win? Like, yeah. I mean, here's my hourly rate.
3: <laughs> hit, me, hit me up
1: after that, you know? Like, I mean, for real. Like, I was I'm so tired of people asking you for free. Like, I get it. Get it. I can help somebody, but like, when is some dude and his last name is not of Latino descent and is telling me that's gonna open up, mis- wants to start a brand and wants to quote unquote, pick my brain, I'm like, pick, you know, let me pick your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know, I don't know what to say, you know? I mean, I'm being real. That's so, the truth. so, you know, I saw the email and I'm like, mm, this is real, whatever I'll reply. I was like, sure, like, send me the NDNA or whatever. It's called NDA, NDNA. N-D-A. I was like, I don't know what. That's a dope drug. Yo, NDA.
0: Yo, MGM got those secret uh, yeah. NDAs. <laughs> Say, NWA,
1: N-D-N-A, NDNA. I don't know. ESL, okay? don't Don't get on my case it's just i learned english and when i was 10 years old
2: you speak english better than i do (laughs) (laughs) i spoke it
1: anyway so then i sign it then we get a call and then as they're talking i'm like is this real like on the phone they're telling about this project they want me to part of it but i'm not understanding what how everything's gonna go down this is in august I say yes.
0: This is in August of last, last year. year, 2018. Uh,
1: 2018. Sorry, the, the
0: bar just the bar opened. Wait, it's
1: crazy. So August of 18, <laughs> crickets as in until early November. Crickets.
2: You've been um, eating critics crickets that long?
1: Those are grasshoppers. Just
2: kidding. <laughs> and then I, nice, Eli, and then nice. I'm just
1: just nothing. And then another email. Oh, so definitely things are moving forward. Sorry for the silence. And just thinking, okay, don't get excited. Move That's on. That's three yeah. months
0: of silence. Three right? months of
1: silence. I'm used to it though. I got ghosted a bunch of times when I was in my single day, so it's all right. <laughs> and then, when, and then, beginning of, beginning of December, I had a 10 minute meeting in between someone's meeting. They wanted to see me face to face, the Grand Central Market. I get there. They're like, great, blah, 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 blah. You down? Sure. Still don't know what the deal looks like. Great. They'll call you next week. Mid December, I get in a phone call with the boss. We, and you know, we get in this huge discussion about worth and rates and partnerships and you know, things of that sort. And why, you know, just negotiations. And then we make a deal. We signed um, the third week of December. What? <laughs> and then I'm in a plane to Oaxaca with the design team in January. And then we open in August.
0: This is the... (laughs) As a reminder from the intro, this is the largest mezcal and tequila bar. From. But that's
1: Vegas, though. Like, that's how Vegas rolls. Like, Vegas is like, go big, go home. We move fast. And we move now. Like, we're not. We, they're, they're not. They don't have time. They don't have the luxury of wasting time. Like, they're, they're, they're just everyone there is a boss. Everyone there works so hard. My my level of work ethic just went up to the roof when I met these people. Like, when I spend time with them, when I spend days with them and understanding they just never stop. You know, like yo, motiv- they don't have time to read a motivation Monday. Like they're just, they just get up and do the damn thing. They, you know, they're just left, right, travel. It, it's blows my mind, and it just taught me so much about real work. When people see, it, you know, maybe you hear, yeah, but when you see it in front of you and you see it before your eyes, you're like, dang, this is real. People really do work that much.
2: So it looks amazing, but talk to me about Mama Rabbit itself. Like, what's what's in there? How many different mescals are in there? How did it, how hard was it to curate that many mm-hmm. knowing how kind of seldom it is and how how little people know about it, really, in the grand scheme of it? it and was that worrisome to their team or were they just like, "Yo, fuck it, we're going...
1: Nothing. Like, like Vegas. They're just like, "What do you want?" Okay, done. You know, it's just they figure it out. It's amazing. They 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 don't like to say no to things because they understand. They stop drinking water. I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs>
1: no, I'm, ahead, I'm literally ahead. taking go sips. Ahead, from
2: this <laughs> it just looks so aggressive because it's a one gallon glass that's why, jug. That's why I'm kidding,
1: kidding. So. Um, You know, number one, I told her from the beginning, I am not a tequila expert. And the reason why I just don't like to say I'm tequila, is because, number one, I'm not. I know so many people who know so much about tequila that I I know what that's like. I haven't taken the time to dive into what's happening right now. I know so many people, and I know a lot, but I needed help with tequila curation. So that really fell on Craig Schottler, who is the mixologist, uh, corporate mixologist, and head of beverage Beverage director who is amazing, who worked at Lin- Alenia, who has a chef background, who loves loves tequila and mezcal. So it we, I was that was a lot of fun when it came to mezcal, though it was all about me. I looked at what was available in in, in Nevada. Now here's the thing. In the way that alcohol works in the country is that they not it's very few mescal have a nation one this nationwide distribution very few just a handful out of that there's very few that then you can find in certain states so then my job was to figure out okay here are my favorite here are you know my wish list of mezcal that i want to have i think were not distributed there. So then we hooked them up with people that could have them distributed there, that they can get their bottles there. Craig and their team were super great at following up and making sure that those bottles were in the shelf uh, and and we would sell. So that was really fun. Curating really, you know, I don't know if you guys got to see the 400 rabbits that were... Clay handmade in Oaxaca by women that are, you know, in in the space. We have this beautiful mantle that was hand that was hand carved in Oaxaca from um, the specialty wood that's from uh, from Oaxaca and shipped to Nevada, which all that was a nightmare, but we made it happen. Um, pots clay pots that are all over the place the copitas that have the mama rabbit logo inside those are made in oaxaca the veladoras, those come like so many little th- little things but it's not mexican in your face mexican no, you know all. it's like vibing which is i think what i love the most and i was so i was so vocal about like i don't want to see a sombrero i don't want to see a piñata i'm tired of a papel picado, like let's just let's just make a beautiful place that just happens to house this Oaxacan essence inside. So I, I love the way that they were able to do that. You know, it's it's elegant, it's beautiful, it's, it's fun, and it has that Oaxacan element, but like really LA vibe to it too.
0: That reminds me of the vibe when we talked with Roy, Chef Roy from Best Friend, when he was like, mm. I'm gonna do a project at the Park MGM, and I gave them a wish list, and the majority, if not all of that wish list, like they they came to life. And he was just, he was so ecstatic because he was like, we did artist collaborations for all the plates and we brought in stuff like from LA Mm -hmm. to across the entire restaurant. And he was talking with the same fervor that you're talking about, right? Like we had a dream and we were able to fulfill it to such a high level. Is that how you feel about the concept?
1: Yeah, and I think that's why that's what their team is so amazing to work with. I mean, they are really they like that entire team. They are at the forefront of Vegas nightlife because Vegas is evolving and changing, and they are understanding that it's not just about a huge club with bottle servers, serv- service, and a DJ and massive though that's still around, you know. But it's about experiences and curated places, I, that's why I think like Park MGM is the best place to stay at. Like they're, hands down, my favorite hotel, the Nomad is right there, but in the casino floor, it's manageable. It's not yeah. this crazy, huge- Labyrinth. Uh, yeah. Jesus. It's not
2: confusing either. You, you don't know, get lost. There's one end and then there's the other yes. end. Yes, and then you
1: walk and then you you have Bavette's, which is, is an incredible steakhouse. steakhouse. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's where I had dinner with my family. Uh, La La Noodles, that's bomb. Yeah. Best friend, best friend, unbelievable. It's Like walking
2: into little LA, yeah, and then you go over to Italy. It's like the bet we're talking about. Like, where can you take like sixteen of your friends? Yeah. Like you go to Italy, right? Like you just plop down. Everyone can go get something they like. You crack a couple bottles of wine. Everyone shares. Yeah. Park MGM's at that at that fourth dude. I was at Planet Hollywood the other day. The casino floor is a labyrinth. I
3: couldn't. <laughs> Everything I- is a labyrinth. Bro, I could not get back to my
2: room. <laughs> I couldn't get back to my room twice. I was sober when I landed. I was sober. I was like, "What the? F- how do you get to your room here?" They've somehow designed the the lobby uh, to you stay. You stay. They designed it for you to stay. You don't see anyone leaving with a bag at at Planet Hollywood. Like the 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 lobby where you check in and everyone's taking their Ubers to leave is underground and so you you always bypass the casino floor so no one on the casino floor gets a whiff of anyone leaving the casino.
1: That's crazy, it's freaking
2: crazy. At Park MGM, it's like, it's a very clear cut. The restaurants are on one end and you see everything there mm-hmm. and the bars line the side. Um, but I love the way you explained how Mama Rabbit doesn't follow, like, there's other tequila spots on the strip yeah. and it hits all those traits that you're talking about, like, the the red green the sombreros flying high and i'm just like cool maybe that is intrinsic of it but i didn't feel that at all at mm-hmm. mama rabbit yeah. the colors were gorgeous don't get me wrong i Beautiful think space. there's some oranges but the way that you were talking about the clays and some of that stuff from oaxaca we didn't first glance one that that wasn't brought up to us but now going back i can see how like going on multiple visits it gets mm-hmm. deeper the, yeah. the experience of, of visiting there um Talk to me about some of the food on the menu. Do you have a hand in that or how important No, the was that? food was
1: really much about, uh, you know, where the food is evolving. I think every time you open a new space, especially like that, the menu is very minimal. It's only five items. Mm. Um, and the menu will be evolving a little bit, you know, to really complement the food a little bit more. You know, I was more involved in the cocktails and the mezcal design. Food... You know, I think we're gonna we're gonna be changing a little bit. For
0: someone that hasn't that hasn't tasted a ton of mezcal before, what what cocktail should you be ordering at Mama Rabbit, and what what mezcal's would you recommend for a newbie?
1: I always recommend people that the way I always convert people is I do a tasting of three different mezcal, uh, different types, and then a cocktail at the end mm-hmm. because you've never this is a flavor you've never had in your life so it's going to be new it's stronger it, because of the roasting of the agave that happens when you make mezcal that's that you know quote unquote smoky flavor but it's not smoky it's really a roasted smoky is completely different so when you taste that roasted flavor it, a lot of people just it's like woof. but i always say just take it have the second have the third and then have a cocktail and then if you go back to having mezcal by itself, you then you're going to get it and you, then you're never going to go back mm. because you have to get used to the flavor first. Mm-hmm. And then when you have a cocktail, then you can taste it with other ingredients that are familiar to you. And then your brain understands it.
2: What's up with this worm salt that I had there? Oh,
1: it's so good, right? Yeah. I make it at my restaurant and we send it over there.
2: So you just like roast a bunch of worms, mm-hmm. grind them up? Because that was... With it came of the was, plate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was yes. nice. It
0: was it a good was really, It was really nice. Because... What can you tell us about the culture of, of the worm and worm salt in general? Cause yeah. It, Cause yeah, I don't think I don't think most people even know what that is and no. where it came from.
1: Well I'm glad you talk about the worm because there's a lot of miscal snobs out there today that I'm just so over. If you're a miscal snob out there, like relax, homie. It's not that serious. <laughs> I wrote this like poem that's probably never gonna get published, but at the end, I, I finished it with like, remember, you went to Oaxaca once. Like, relax, you know? <laughs> like, come on. There's just so many people that today, they just get like, oh, really? Like, no, I wouldn't have it with the warm because I went to Oaxaca and they explained to me how, <laughs> you know, that really, you cannot taint the agave and they just get so into themselves. And I'm like, do you understand that people have been drinking mezcal with the worm for generations? Like, they are that's a that's a tradition like who are you to tell someone who's been who his third generations deep into this that that's not a real thing you know i'm just like so over people super analyzing shit like that like there's better things in the world to worry about
0: so what did what did the worm mean then or what was the, the
1: worm so when you actually start chopping up the agave a lot of worms start little worms that are drinking the juice inside the inside there's juice so there's more they're feeding off the juice very clean free-range worms you know (laughs) (laughs) wild free-range worms (laughs) are you know really drinking this juice grass-fed so they um vegan vegan very ve- are they?
2: I don't know. It, I depends, always, it depends how hard vegan you are. Yeah,
1: I guess not because a lot of hardcore vegans don't have honey. So then I so then you get these worms, you dehydrate them with salt, you cure them with salt, and you people started adding them inside the mescal just to see if they will change the taste. I mean, it's part. It's people were starting because it's part of the plant, right? Sure. So they it's like adding a little bit of earth back into the bottle, mm. and then. Later on, it became more of a gimmick, you know, the one with the worm, then that that marketing strategy was born of, let's have mezcal with the worm, not tequila. Mezcal is the one with the worm, and tequila is the one without the worm. Then it just became this whole thing. Mm. Only from one region of Oaxaca, though, the rest of the regions were not putting worms inside. That's what they got upset at the people with the worms. So Mm. then, but a lot of people, when they were curing the worms with salt in Oaxaca, we chapulines we have chicatanas, and we make salsas and sauces and spices out of them all so then they grind them these agave worms with chiles with salt they tasted it and it was the most delicious thing in the world and that's when the agave salt worm salt
2: began. we also heard another little tidbit and i, w- I want to know how true it is are some filtered through chicken breast
1: yes what's yes, up they with are. that uh,
0: that was tortuga right no
1: pechuga 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 tortuga is a
2: turtle (laughs) Uh, yeah that's next
1: (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe we'll sacrifice a turtle uh so okay the distillation process of uh when you does anybody know how distillation works the uh do, evaporation it <laughs> <laughs> it's basically condensation right it, it's condensation and then you go and then it touches cold water on top and then it gets condensed and it becomes this liquid so then what happens is that after the second distillation happens of agave it gets put in back into the pot um, you put a lot of different heirloom uh, spices and fruits um, apples prunes rice cinnamon, just a lot of different things in the juice. And then you hang a raw chicken breast on top. The chicken breast never touches any of the juice. Mm. But once it gets condensed, all that condensation touches the breast of the chicken and then it gets distilled. So it kind of has this funky, earthy, sweet flavor to it. Um, And it's just a recipe that's been done for over 100, 150 years.
0: So is that a combination of both being traditional but also used for flavor like it's it's for both, both. of those reasons mm-hmm. both and then is the so we also heard that there's potentially are there are animal sacrifices for like a goddess In that was our mezcalero so yeah i we're we're, we're oh, running through all tell me i'm
1: like I mean, we sacrifice animals all the time. We eat them, but I mean. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 oh, maybe the, like the legend of the Maya well? Or is yes, that what you're yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. like not today, we're not.
2: Oh yeah, no. <laughs> no I, one is. I don't know, maybe y'all I'm are. Like, that's yeah, what, I'm that's like, um. You said, you said MGM goes <laughs> to Great Lakes to preserve. <laughs> yeah, to preserve culture.
1: <laughs> Let's go back to the beginning, guys. Uh, no, the name Mama Rabbit came from the goddess of Maya well.
0: Okay. And who was? And who was? Maya
1: Well is the goddess of not just the but also fertility, mm. and uh, there was this it was this deity goddess that you know was said to have four hundred breasts, and she had four hundred rabbits that idolized her, and they were considered her children, and they would drink off of her, and you know they would get drunk and would go into the world. And this is, you know, she's the mother of the rabbits. Like Khaleesi's the mother of the dragons.
2: Yo, this is tight. She's the
1: mother of the rabbits. So then we called it Mama Rabbit because Mother of Rabbits is really long. Yeah, Mama Rabbit. And also, I didn't want to go to that Game of Thrones ish situation. Good call, good call.
2: Y'all be hotter than Game of Thrones over time. That's crazy, and uh, are you guys distilling through iguanas yet?
1: Not yet, but Not yet, maybe, maybe in the Isthmus region, and the Isthmus is a lot of iguanas, maybe there's someone out there. I know Jose Andres did a collaboration with Del Maguey, a brand, and he did it with Hamon Iberico, and it was really great. If you oh. can find one of those bottles, get it. They're probably like 500 bucks now. It's a collection item. Damn.
0: How do you, how do you feel about breaking bad celebrities owning a brand of mezcal? <laughs> Ah, uh, good for mezcal or bad for mezcal? You
1: guys are going really deep into the situation, man. Is it that deep? <laughs> I mean, okay. Here's how I'm gonna answer this: spicy. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, gonna let me think about this. Okay, I think it's so sad that people that are from the town question themselves. You know, so I always feel like it's my job to inspire people and tell them like, you can do this. Like, don't wait for a white man to come in and tell you that your shit's valuable. Like, you should learn that your shit's valuable from the beginning, you know? Mm. So I admire that of white people, the fact that they're just like, I can do this shit. Like, yeah, let's go to this town. Oh my God, how amazing, this town is so cool. Oh my God, look at all this culture. We can do this, let's bottle it, yay, culture. So like, I love the fact that, like I admire that from white people, especially white men, but like,
2: is that sarcastic or no? You don't have to admire. No, yeah, no, Because no, I'm no. like trying to read through it. Because it could. Because like. No, no, no. That same admiration I, is also privilege. Like it's well, also like yes. they inherently just. are well, right. Able to do that. Right.
1: But that's admirable. Like, how do they get to that privilege? Like, the whole... I, Years of privilege. Exactly, but as a, that, that's that's But how do they maintain it? Like, that is like, dude, how did that, How does that happen? Like, how do we create that within our culture? How do we create that sense of entitlement? Not entitlement, but how do we make ourselves feel so proud about who we are mm-hmm.
3: that we... We can do anything.
1: That we're like, fuck, we can do this. Like, I can create a brand. I don't need to leave to survive. I can create a business from nothing. I can do this. I can, I, you know motivational mondays every single day you know (laughs) like how do i do this yeah that's really my feeling about when i see it you know i don't get i don't get angry i'm just like oh what can i it or maybe i don't know but i don't know what the feeling is it's just like because it's not just him so many so many white owned labels today but i it's more about like when when i talk to them in my mind i just think. how did you even think that that was okay like or or what made you or not just that but like it's more about well why aren't my people doing it it's more of that question like why aren't we doing it like why didn't I do it it's definitely not there's no
2: easy answer to this at all I think like the same way that I would feel about like oh shit you can have hummus now because so many privileged people before were able to co-sign it being an okay thing. Yeah, And why couldn't my quote unquote people, Middle Easter's do it before? Well, it took, then you have to think the other end, like it took someone to break down the wall here in America and, and yeah. over time it became okay and distilled yeah. and now you can do it. But yeah, it's okay to not feel completely okay with it.
1: I just, I, I look at it as what can I do to inspire people or to help people mm. that look like me achieve what they're doing. You know? Yeah. It's more like that. That's the feeling I get when I when I when I see that. So you almost Arch- get
2: inspired, like, yo, all right.
1: Yeah, I mean, I listen, I'm a very positive person, I told you, I've done years of Oprah, years of Tony Robbins, like I, you know, Jesus is my savior, like I am just, the, it's really hard for me to feel like anger or negative or, you know, get all like ah uh, about something. That's why people get all like Mescal, like oh my god, I'm like calm down, it's not that serious. Do you
0: have your own Mezcal brand? I don't i do not aren't you the perfect person to help aren't these i people? oh my
1: god you're so right
0: <laughs> no but like i know that's like you said that semi-jokingly I don't know. but aren't you but like seriously you know
1: i don't know i don't know i go back and forth i think when the opportunity comes that is the right the right opportunity for me i will 100 consider it i will see i also you know there it's not as simple as let's just start a brand totally. and do it mm. so you know i i I'm definitely opening myself up to the idea now. Before I was very closed off, I would always say no, no, no. I said no to many things. Why? Why were you closed off? Uh, Because I just didn't really feel it inside of me. Yeah. Like when I became a mom or when I was pregnant, I took a break from the mystical world and just started seeing what was happening and was just really not, you know, People were getting too snobby about it, and I was Mm. just kinda, I just became, it came to the point where people would come to my restaurant and try to sell me a brand, and I would be just a total bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And I just said to myself, it's better to stay up, just take a break, like, you know, and then, like, I would just be like, tell me about this family that you found in the middle of nowhere, Uh uh-huh, and then, (sighs) and do you speak Spanish? You know, like, like, I was very much, like, I was a bitch.
0: Yeah, but but for, for but for, from my perspective, it's like the thematics of why you're a bitch in that situation, <laughs> of the thematic of you talking throughout this podcast about helping people being one of the main motivators of your career, your purpose. I can't think of a better reason to do something, right? Because yeah. I don't think I don't think Aaron Paul is going like. I'm doing this to help people. I think he's seeing what George Clooney did in Tequila, and yeah. he's like, "Yo, we can. We've we've got with Breaking Bad. There was like a Latino element in that show. We can we can call this whatever their fucking mezcal is called, and we can launch it. And the entire U.S. food and beverage press will talk about it because we have a platform, mm-hmm. and, and and now we have something to sell." And again, it's probably, I don't know them. It's probably more than that. Like, there's collaborat- collaboration and it's a cool project, but. Is it good? Like, that's like not better than your reason to me.
2: Yeah, yeah, but is it good? Is it good for Mezcal in general, what they're doing versus more bad? Like, the fact that. Such a hard question. I don't know. Because it's like, does it take a blockbuster style Mezcal? even if it's not authentic, quote unquote, to put mezcal on so, the tongue of listen, more people I, for in me, America. At the, at the end of the
1: day, I'm not in the Mescal business or the food business. I am in the business of making people visit Oaxaca every single day. I'm more about Oaxaca in general, yeah. you know, like I'm more about how do I get people to understand that going to Oaxaca is just as amazing as, Taking a trip down to France and the, you know, vineyards of
3: Champagne.
1: uh, You know, like how do I get people to understand that? Like I'm not thinking about mezcal 24 seven. I'm thinking about how do I change the perception of Mexican food in the world? Like how do I get people to pay? for, for for Mexican food? Like, how do I get people... The way they who, pay for French food. Yeah, how do I get people a- who are from Mexico to understand that they should not sell a taco for a dollar and people will pay for it? Like, how do I get people from Mexico to understand what they have? How do I get chefs to say, I'm not going to go to Europe and find and learn French techniques. How do I get chefs to go down to Oaxaca and understand that it's just like how intuitive these women are and understand how to make these things and how do I get Mexican people to value themselves so then they in turn can give value to their food so then in turn people can value us Mm -hmm. like it's not just about one brand one mascot it's one thing I just I'm I'm more about like how do I get Mexican Americans to go even travel back to Mexico and understand what they have. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's deeper than just opening up a mezcal brand.
2: Yeah, I like
0: it. Uh, tell us, tell us <laughs> about your book.
1: Oh yes! Are people going to be listening this far online? <laughs> You're the few like that you guys.
2: Knew. We'll buy the book, hey, probably. Uh, to the
1: two of you that to, are still listening, to
2: Jessica and
0: Dave. Thank <laughs> you.
1: <laughs> to the two of you that have made it this long, um, the book comes out October 22nd. Oaxaca home cooking from the heart of Mexico. It is available everywhere books are sold. It is the first Oaxacan book. A uh, book written about Oaxacan food by a Oaxacan family in the US that has, you know, nationwide distribution, that it really is from a prestigious publisher, which makes me the proudest out of anything I've ever made. You know, it yeah. really tells about the story about my family. It has recipes. 80% of the book was shot in Oaxaca, the other 20% here in Los Angeles. You know, we worked so hard, so, so hard, you know my my publisher really 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 took you know really saw my worth you know the deal i I had was very much in line with other with other big chefs i felt very valued. Uh, valued which i think is so important today and you know and and believed in our story believed in us we weren't just you know we weren't just there just to check a box which i really really appreciated and you know, it's very important and and talking about it so much because I think it's so important for people to support and, and, and show these publishers that it is worth publishing stories like us, you know,
2: you'll go buy this
0: book when it comes out. Yeah. I'm assuming all major bookstores, Amazon, wherever you can find Mm -hmm. books. Everywhere.
1: Barnes and Nobles, Target, anywhere you want.
0: Are you going to do any events with the book?
1: We are, we are in LA. We're doing a few, uh, we're coming here to Orange County. Oh, cool. uh, we San Diego, New York, Chicago, Portland and D.C.
0: Damn. Well, that uh, sounds like there's a a, a, a fun journey ahead. you yes. release the book. But yes,
2: um, well, we're really thankful for you. Oh, thanks. On thanks for up. having
1: me, guys.
2: Thank you. Where can people find you
1: uh, on the gram like everyone else on Twitter? I'm starting to, you know, as of as of this week, I'm going to consciously be more active on Twitter because I'm opening it more and more yeah i, I like I, twitter like i took a t- i took a few years off of twitter i was like whoa twitter became a, like this weird place yeah but like now i'm kind of like into twitter again
2: twitter twitter's kind of tight because it doesn't need to be pretty it no! doesn't you just could just write you like can read i just tweeted today something
1: silly and i'm like that feels so freeing yeah i can learn how to be more like me without worrying about what people think which is really important
0: yeah. is, it, is your poetry in your book
1: no, no. So I this is so silly. I got um pa- you know Paper Magazine, which I love. Yeah. yeah. So Paper Rap Magazine asked me to write to write four poems that they're going to publish. Uh like calaveras for Day of the Dead. Uh and I've never written poetry in my life. But I like writing. I forgot how much I mean I really and I'm writing a big article for War Magazine for December issue. Yes. So I'm I'm I when I sit down to write I it just comes out. And it's like this thing I didn't know I had inside of me. So then I started, I wrote these like little poems and I was like, wow, I can't can't believe I wrote these. And I sent it to my brother and my husband and they were like, oh my God, these are so silly. (laughs) But they're not, they're not probably never gonna see. They're for me. Maybe one day I'll publish a book of poems with (laughs) Risto Lopez. I'm gonna get a journal, guys. Yeah, I journal all the time. I'm telling you, I'm like a self help queen. Dang. i journal i work out do you do out, motivation mondays on your no gram? not on my instagram no
2: <laughs> okay yeah
1: told <Tell laughs> you i don't have time for that shit that's
2: right we're yes, working out yeah here. it's
0: just on twitter
2: we
1: but, like. but i do <laughs> but you will find a few things here and there like you know all
2: right what's your twitter so people can follow you?
1: oh my name just brisa lopez everywhere okay. brisa, lopez, brisa lopez everywhere, everywhere. There we brisa go, lopez y'all. everywhere right. b-r-i-c-i-a-l-o-p-e-z mm, mm, thanks mm. guys for having me
2: thanks guys thanks for listening y'all bye, bye.